Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, April 29th. I'm Nyla Boudin. Here's how we're making you smarter today. How the pandemic has hurt younger workers. Plus, the NFL opts for a live and in-person draft. We begin with today's one big thing. President Biden's first address to Congress. After just 100 days, I can report to the nation, America is on the move again. President Biden gave his first address to a joint session of Congress last night. And over an hour and five minutes, the president touched on just about every major issue facing the country right now. Hans Nichols covers the White House for Axios and is here with his takeaways. Hans, before we get to what was said, how was the speech visually and symbolically striking? Well, it's both different and the same, right? It's the same in that this is Joe Biden coming back to Congress. Obviously, he was a creature of the Senate, not the House, but you could tell he felt comfortable there. And yet it was so different just with all the social distancing. Most members that I saw, in fact, all the members I saw from TV were wearing masks totally different. And then behind them, for the first time, two females. Hans, so much was covered in this address. What does it tell you about President Biden's values and priorities? It tells me that he's got a lot of priorities. And as a president, if you have a lot of priorities, sometimes you have no priorities. But Biden wants everything. This big, massive remake of the American economy that he's proposing, he wants it all. And so, you know, he's already gotten, you know, close to two trillion passed. He wants another four trillion, everything from community college to infrastructure to pre-K. These are big, progressive ideas. And the argument that you heard from the president is that, look, I handled COVID pretty well, right? We have vaccines in the arms. Numbers are going down. Give me a chance to remake the economy. And, you know, we'll see whether or not he has any Republican buy-in on that. He may not need it. He may be able to get this all through on razor-thin majorities and get all this passed and fundamentally remake America uh, with a 50-50 Senate. So does it matter if we saw enthusiasm from the GOP? Yeah, it's a great question. It ma- You know... For any change to be durable, it has to be bipartisan. And I think Obama sort of learned that. Clinton learned that. I mean, I think all presidents learned that. And so, yes, he can transform the economy. Yes, he can extend various tax credits and tax cuts for another four or five years. Whether or not he actually gets Republican buy-in will be a question of, is it going to go beyond the Biden presidency? Hans, the president did go a little off script from his prepared remarks when he was talking about China. What did he say? On China, the line that sort of caught me is that he said that President Xi is deadly earnest with the emphasis on deadly. And throughout, there is this sort of dual argument, right? This argument that he's making both to America's adversaries and also sort of his domestic competitors or his challengers, the opposition party. And that is that if America doesn't heal our democratic problems, if America doesn't come together, the autocrats will win. And so to the domestic audience, he's saying, let's all get on the same page. Let's do this together. And then to the foreign audience, he's saying, just try us. You know, don't test us. Don't bet against America. Almost contradictory messages, not quite. You can see how he tried to square the circle. And really, that's going to be the tale of his presidency on whether or not he's able to sort of transmit both of those messages and convince both audiences, his domestic opposition and foreign adversaries, that America is stronger together. Hans Nichols covers the Biden White House for Axios. Thank you, Hans. Thanks for having me. 
We'll be back in 15 seconds with the pandemic's disproportionate effect on younger workers. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Welcome back to Axios Today. As the American job market starts to improve, young people are disproportionately getting left behind. Unemployment among 18 to 24-year-olds is still high, and many are delaying or reconsidering college. Axios business reporter Erica Pandy is with me. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Isla. Why were young people hit especially hard by the pandemic? So young people are overrepresented in these sectors that were hit the hardest. So we're talking about restaurants, we're talking about hotels, we're talking about sports arenas, any kind of hospitality service jobs skew very young. And so young people saw really, really high unemployment rates at the beginning of this thing, and that's still lingering today. And what else are they facing now that things are starting to open up? Right. I mean, that's why this story is such a powerful one, is that young people have been hit by all sides. So the 18 to 24-year-olds who went straight into the workforce after high school faced disproportionate job losses because the sectors they were in were hit. And then those who decided to go to college, maybe their parents lost their jobs and they couldn't afford college anymore. Maybe they decided remote school wasn't worth it and they're just kind of biding their time. Or those who are graduating after college or graduating into this awful labor market, maybe they can't find that first job. So no matter how you slice it, young people are having a hard time getting a foothold in the workforce because of the pandemic. And what are the long-term repercussions of this? So we saw this in the Great Recession to a much greater extent, right? Millennials graduated into this recession, and as a result, the lower earnings potential extended for long after that. They saw delays in car buying, home buying. That is going to happen again. So obviously, this has been much shorter than the Great Recession, but these months of pain for these young people is going to have long-term effects on their earning potential. You know, just the fact that you graduated into this bad labor market, maybe you got a job that isn't ideal for you, you might even end up moving on to your career path later than you would have. So it's not about it gets better and then it's fine. This is going to have lasting pain. And are we seeing this all over the world? Yes, this is a global problem. So UK has been dealing with the same issue. South Africa has been dealing with the same issue. And all those places had to deal with remote college as well. So the global macroeconomic consequences for these 18 to 24-year-olds is going to be something to watch. Erica Pandy is Axios' business reporter. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Nyla. The NFL draft begins tonight. The four-day extravaganza will take place in Cleveland. Active sports reporter Jeff Tracy is here to tell us what we need to know. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Nyla. What should we expect to see at tonight's event? It's going to be in person, which is a great leg up from last year when Commissioner Goodell handed out the picks from his basement when it was virtual. It was just a month into the pandemic last year. Obviously, we've come leaps and bounds since then. So they've got this really great big stage set up in Cleveland right on Lake Erie right next to the Brown Stadium and next to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So it should be a really fun event to watch. And in person, the players will be in person as well? Yes, that's true. Um, Only 12 prospects actually are going to be there in person. Um, Others were obviously invited, but (laughs) declined for obvious reasons. But 12 of them are going to be there, hoping to hear their names called, uh, you know, tonight. Tonight could be a historic night for quarterbacks? 
That's right. There's five quarterbacks that are projected to go as high, all as in the top 10. There's never been more than four in the top 10 before, just back in 2018. And it could be even crazier with the top four picks, maybe could all be quarterbacks, but certainly it looks like the top three are near locks to be quarterbacks. What else do you think we should be watching for? Well, there's this guy, Kyle Pitts, not a quarterback. He's a tight end, but he's an absolute athletic freak out of Florida. And he is definitely the guy to watch that is not going to be throwing passes next year. Axios Sports reporter Jeff Tracy. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you so much. Finally, let's end with some good news on the COVID front. Every Thursday, Axios puts out a COVID map to give you a sense of how each state is faring. And this week, more than half the country is seeing a decline in new COVID cases. In several states, cases are down more than 20 percent. The biggest drop is New York, followed closely by Michigan and Washington, D.C. But out west, Arizona, Oregon and Wyoming are still seeing a rise. Last week, we told you about the state with the highest overall number of cases. So this week, let's leave you with the lowest. That goes to Hawaii with 85 cases. To see how your state is doing, head over to Axios.com. That's it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at Axios.com or find me on Twitter. My handle's Nyla Boodoo. We always love to hear feedback about the show. And if you have a chance to leave us a starred review on Apple Podcasts, that makes it easier for other people to find us. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.